This is Duray Olalia, and you're listening to episode 163 of the Before the Millions podcast. Are you ready to be the master architect of your life? Are you ready to design your business and invest the needs that create the lifestyle you've always dreamt of? Are you ready to learn from entrepreneurs and millionaires who have achieved a certain level of success? Hey, this is Derek, location-independent entrepreneur, and you are listening to the Before the Millions podcast. Hi, I'm Gina Lofton. I am an investor, and you're listening to the Before the Millions podcast. Hey there, my name is Heather Havenwood, marketing coach and global entrepreneur. And you are listening to the Before the Millions podcast. Hey, this is Mark Asquith, the host of the 7 Minute Mentor podcast, global entrepreneur and all-round geek. And you are listening to the Before the Millions podcast. I am MC Lobsher, the Cashflow Ninja, and you're listening to Before the Millions podcast. You're listening to the Before the Millions podcast. But whether you're looking to invest for cash flow or build an online business that allows you to be location independent, you've come to the right place. Mr. Hollywood himself presents the Before the Millions podcast. And now your host, DeRay Olalaye. What is going on, good people? Welcome to a brand new installment of the Before the Millions podcast. Hope you are doing well. We have a jam-packed and exciting show for you today. And uh, today's featured guest is Mr. Andrew Keel. And before I get to Andrew, I just want to make sure that you've listened to episode 160 with Jay and Samara um, only because they are in the same niche that Andrew is in. Now, Jay and Samara focus on mobile homes and Andrew focuses on mobile home parks. So the similarities are slightly in comparison to the single family home versus apartment investing strategies. So with that being said, episode 160 with Jay and Samara, we talk about five different profitable strategies when investing in mobile homes. So when investing in specifically the homes that sit on the plot of land. And on today's show with Andrew, we're actually going to be talking about the mobile home parks. So the plot of land that the mobile homes sit on and how to make a lot more money with the strategy and possibly start out with a lot less money. So I'll touch on it in the show because a lot of us may be wondering, well, how do I pick which which path to go down? And ultimately, you're going to start with yourself. You're going to start with your goals. If you guys are familiar with my newbies guide where I help you actually choose your real estate investing niche and commit to a timeline to get started and to commit to a few ways to get started. We're coming out with version 2.0 here pretty soon. But you know, if you're familiar with that guide, it's really not about the real estate strategy. All real estate strategies make money. And there are lots of millionaires that have pursued every single one of these strategies. But ultimately, you have to remember that the onus is on you. And what may be an advantage for you may be a disadvantage for someone else. So again, if you just want some more clarity on where exactly you fit into the grand scheme of things. If you're wondering if mobile homes are for you or mobile home parks or single family investing or wholesaling or whatever the case may be, um, download my newbies got over at before the millions.com forward slash guide. And again, Andrew started out with the mobile homes and then he realized that according to his dreams and goals and aspirations that the vehicle that he was currently using to build his wealth wasn't the vehicle that he needed to use to get to his specific goals. So he switched to mobile home parks. And now he currently manages 21 manufactured housing communities across nine states. So we're going to talk about his expertise and how he turns underutilized, undermanaged manufactured housing communities into profitable real estate investments. We're going to in-depth cover the difference between mobile homes and mobile home parks. We're going to talk about perseverance. I mean, Andrew's training for an Ironman competition. And a lot of the traits that he needs to exhibit to be successful in that competition are the same traits that he has as an entrepreneur that's allowed him to be successful. DeRay's Tip of the Week. So I've been out of town since last week. And last week, as I was heading out of town, as I was pulling out of the driveway, I saw this lady plant a flag, an American flag, a small wooden, maybe a three foot American flag in the grass in front of the house, a few feet away from the mailbox. I thought it was interesting. And I saw her do it to a few more of my neighbors. I was like, oh, well, that's that's interesting. That's thoughtful. It's 4th of July. And, you know, she's 
she's in the spirit and you know she's in a gift giving mood that's that's amazing when i was on the phone and i rolled down the window and i thanked her and i witnessed a few more people thank her and stop and have conversations with her but again i didn't think a whole lot of it and as i got back in town this week and i walked past the flag i noticed that there were small envelopes attached to the bottom of the stick and those envelopes were, of course, her contact information and a small little letter. And also driving into the neighborhood, I noticed that her flags were everywhere, like had to have touched at least 500 different houses. And I was just like, oh, my goodness. And I realized when I opened up the letter that she's a realtor. And I just thought it was so innovative. It was so simple. It was so small. It was so thoughtful and kind. But at the same time, given the times that we're in, the circumstances that we're facing, it's perfect. It's doing the exact opposite of what most people are doing. Everybody's going online. Everybody's trying to find a way to be virtual. There's no way to get direct communication. There's no way to bring new prospects in in a physical environment. But that's not stopping her. That's not stopping her from connecting with over 500 people. That's not stopping her from getting exposure in the exact market that she wants to grow her business in. That's not stopping her from going door to door, not only marketing her business with her her cards and her letter, but attaching it with a gift. Something that makes me and my neighbors think twice, something that prompts conversation, something that's going to definitely drum up new business for her. And she did it in a few hours on a Thursday with probably less than a thousand dollars. I mean, if she just gets one deal done, it was worth it. But most people are struggling. Most investors are struggling. Most realtors are struggling. Most people couldn't fathom spending a thousand dollars on marketing without a guarantee of return. But that, my friend, is in the job description of an entrepreneur. But those of us that aren't cut out for it, we haven't chosen to be successful. We haven't chosen that regardless of the circumstance, we're going to figure out a way. We're going to get innovative. We're going to think outside of the box. We're going to keep going. We're going to keep trying. And that's the message for today's tip of the week. If you want to continue your success, if you want to build on your success, If you want to blow things out of the water as things become more and more uncertain through the times that we're in, I think it's time to get innovative. It's time to zig left while everybody else is zigging right. It's time to try and test things. It's time to spend some money and possibly see no return on that money. But just know that that testing is going towards a great cause. Know that that testing is giving you the data that you need to push forward. So if you're an investor and you've You've always door knocked every single month to get all your leads to get about a deal a month by door knocking. And now you can't do that anymore. Does that mean business stops? Does that mean you can no longer support yourself? Does that mean you should go get another job? Does that mean you should feel sorry for yourself? Woe is me and not do anything. Does that mean you should turn to your husband or your wife? Does that mean you should turn to your brother? Does that mean you should go get a loan? Or is this an opportunity? Life is what you make it. If you see, if you believe that this is going to create an opportunity for you, then your brain, your mind is going to find all the evidence of opportunity. But if you believe that whatever situation you're in is going to create lack for you, then your mind is going to find all of the evidence in your atmosphere that confirms your beliefs. Oh, and we're going to talk about this so much more in the next few weeks. But again, I want to make sure that you're being innovative during these unprecedented times and you're thinking outside of the box to continue to drum up more business. This episode is brought to you by the 90X Journal. It is a little known fact that you are 42% more likely to achieve your goals when you write them down consistently. In fact, Forbes describes this as one of the most potent ways to achieve your goals. I actually tried a few of those iPhone journaling apps, but it wasn't the same for me. For some reason, I needed something more visceral, something more concrete. And you can call me old school or you can look at it as a form of brain hacking. But a physical journal has been key to the consistent achievement of my quarterly goals. The thing, though, about physical journals is that they aren't all made the same. And I ran through just as many different types of journals as I did apps, and none of them checked the boxes. Personally, I needed something that would help me create a step-by-step plan to achieve any goal in 90 days. I needed something that would help me decide on these goals, decipher the most important ones, time block, and then prioritize. And that's when I found the 90X journal, the only journal that not only has a sleek look that demands compliments, but it's not just arm candy from a vision board, an income tracker to a 90 day calendar assistant to habit trackers and affirmations. This journal does it all. And for the BTM tribe, I was able to snag you a sweet discount 
to try your first one or restock for next quarter. Visit beforethemillions.com forward slash 90x and enter code millions15 at checkout. That's beforethemillions.com forward slash 90x and enter the code millions15 with the numbers written out 15 at checkout. Now, since I've started doing these two things, rewriting my goals every single day and using the journal's built-in water consumption tracker, I've had a clear mind and clear skin. LOL. Again, visit beforethemillions.com forward slash 90X and enter code millions15 at checkout for 15% off of your entire order. And now your feature presentation. Yeah, it's a crazy story. So I started out wholesaling and flipping single family houses around central Florida And through my marketing, I got the opportunity to purchase two uh, individual mobile homes in Ocala, Florida. And these were my very first mobile homes that I had come across and first exposure to manufactured housing as a whole. And I I could buy both of these homes that were manufactured in the mid-1990s, you know, vinyl-sided, shingle-roof homes, and I could buy them both for $2,200 cash. It was a motivated seller and I didn't know how I was going to make money on these things. I just knew that it was a good deal and like they were worth way more than that. So I went back, I bought the homes, got the titles, came back home and got on YouTube and typed in how to make money with mobile homes. And I came across a guy named Lonnie Scruggs who wrote a book called Deals on Wheels and he talks about how to create mailbox money through buying mobile homes, fixing them up, and then selling them on contract. So that's what's a a Lonnie deal, is is that exact model. You buy a mobile home, you fix it up a little bit, and then you sell it on contract. So, you know, I bought these two homes for $2,200. I was able to, you know, put a thousand bucks into each of them, you know, clean them out, paint, maybe some new carpet and a couple of bedrooms, and then put them up for sale, and I sold them each, for three grand down and 250 bucks a month for five years. So that, those are Lonnie deals. So I did like 19 of those when I first heard about this business model. And I was just like, I was like, wow, this is amazing. The demand for these homes are off the charts and I could create some, some good cash flow this way. And that doing that ultimately allowed me to leave my corporate job that I had at the time because I was able to create that cash flow every month and offset my expenses. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. And let's kind of talk about that a little bit, Andrew. Let's take it back for our listeners and talk about that corporate job. How did you, I mean, what space were you in? How did you get there? What was your dream? What were your goals and aspirations? And and were you a disgruntled employee? Or, I mean, kind of tell me the story. Yeah, so I was in sales. So uh, I was at a marketing and branding firm. Uh, I was there for four years at this company and, and really built it, you know, built up the sales quite a bit. And, you know, it was just uh, the sales job where everything restarted, you know, like every month I was, I was commissioned off of that month's uh, sales. And then, you know, when the month would, co- would would restart, I would restart and it would, it would be a hustle a nonstop hustle. So uh, I was interested in real estate. You know, I had some friends that were in the space and my, the company that I worked for specifically branded real estate agents. So, and more specifically Keller Williams, real estate agents. So I would travel the country. I went to over 150 Keller Williams market centers and trained real estate agents how to, you know, brand themselves and, you know, create a website and so forth. And and then we would sell our branding services at these presentations. So through that, uh, you know, I, I met a lot of realtors that were making a ton of money, more than I was. And, you know, it was just a, it was a constant hustle. And I wanted something different than that. And I wanted to get into real estate, but I didn't have a lot of cash. So the, the, you know, the, the mobile home uh, model was the cheapest way for me to become a landlord. And that was one of my ultimate goals. So that's what gravitated me to the space. So in the early days, you were in sales and you felt as though you were, you were capped. Every single month was a reset. You would, uh, you would work your butt off, you know, you would earn your fruits. And then the very next month you would do the same thing. Whereas now, you know, you get a deal, you know, you do that one time and it pays you continually month after month. When you first started this, what was the goal for you? You know, I wanted to, you know, get enough of these Lonnie deals to offset my income that I was making at my job. And, you know, 
then I got more and more, you know, uh, I don't know how else you put it, but I was just, I was ready to leave my corporate job. I was ready to go. So then my goal was, all right, how can I get these Lonnie deals just to cover my monthly expenses so that when I leave, my monthly expenses are still covered. And then whatever I'm doing with my time, whatever new business venture I go into, that money is on top of that. That's just extra that I can, you know, I can spend or I can invest and so forth. So my initial goal became, how do I just offset my expenses with, with passive income, somewhat passive income? And then when I did that, I, I was able to leave my job. And then after I left, you know, it, it grew a little bit bigger. And it was like, okay, now that I've done that, how do I get this income? Because these, these homes, it was more temporary cash flow. It wasn't forever cash. You know, I, I love that book, uh, Forever Cash. Uh, but it was, you know, I sold the homes, but I was only going to get that cash flow for five years. You know, beyond that, I had to re refigure out a way to create cash flow. So that's what led me into mobile home parks was, you know, going, going for forever cash where now every single month I'm getting cash flow coming in off of the real estate that I own, uh, which is, which is powerful. Yeah, 100%. So again, it's a, it's a learning process, right? You're, you're figuring out what works, what, what, what doesn't work, what you like and what you don't like. And I don't think a lot of us do that. Again, I told you before this, the, this pot, or I told you before we started recording that this podcast is all about lifestyle design through real estate. And, you know, so many of the listeners want to jump into real estate or have started down a path in real estate and either, you know, they're, they're, they're struggling trying to figure out what to do to get started or the people that have started are struggling trying to figure out, well, how does that, this actually get me to my goal? And you started down in real estate and you quickly realize, Hey, this is, this is cool or this is dope. Or actually this has got me, gotten me to goal one. And now that I'm here, I can see a new horizon. And now I have goal two. How do I use this real estate vehicle or another real estate vehicle to get me to that goal? So I always tell uh, all the, you know, my listeners reverse engineer. Reverse engineer, we'll start with what you want, right? Um, all of our vehicles, all of our niches make money. I read on your website, you were, you were breaking down the differences between um, apartments and, and mobile home parks. And, you know, I, I love the differences and I love when we're able to do that. And we're able to, you know, point out every single, every single niche has its you know, pros and cons, its benefits and, and, and disadvantages. But ultimately, what's beneficial for me may not be beneficial for you. Right. Um, you know, I always like to use the example of house hacking. I may, I may be able to house hack as a single guy. You may have a family of six that may not be an option for you. Right. It, it's a great investment strategy, right? People have become, you know, uh, uh, financially free from house hacking, but that doesn't mean that you should do, you know, so, so, so obviously again, guys, you start with your goal and then you reverse engineer. So your second goal was to create forever cash. And I love that book as well. So your second goal was to create forever cash. And that's when you stumbled upon mobile home park. So tell me how your strategy changed. Yeah. So, you know, I read that book, that book, I believe it's by Jack Bosch called forever cash. And, you know, it just changed my mindset. It was, Hey, you know, you want to create, you want to, it was just like sales. You know, I want to, I want to work my, my tail off and get a sale and then I want that to, to, to pay me every month forever. Instead of just closing something and getting a commission check that following month, I wanted, I wanted money forever that we're not only going to offset my expenses, but we're also going to increase my lifestyle. So uh, I started doing more and more of these Lonnie deals. Uh, eventually met a park owner. He told me the benefits of owning a park instead of just the individual homes because you can get better financing so you can scale better. There's better tax benefits with depreciation. And there's just a lot of benefits to owning the real estate itself versus the individual homes. So that was an aha moment for me. And I just went all in. I just, I researched everything on mobile home park investing. I went to all the boot camps. I went to all the, uh, you know, I read all the books. I, I was in on all the webinars and I just became obsessed with the asset class. And I, one thing that I did that was like really huge. And at the time it didn't seem so huge, but I went home and I wrote on my fridge with a dry erase marker, you know, I want to buy my, my first mobile home park in 2016. And I actually missed that goal. I didn't end up buying a park in 2016. You know, they say your, your first one is the hardest and that's, that's the truth. You know, you go through that valley of sorrow and I was trying, I was doing everything and I was just, you know, I, I wasn't ready yet. So in 2017, June, 2017, I ended up buying my first mobile home park. And then soon thereafter, I had built up such a funnel from the past year that I was able to close three more before the end of 2017. So, uh, you know, since then, we've been able to, you know, do syndications where we take on passive investors. And, you know, now we have 21 mobile home parks uh, across the country. 
That's absolutely incredible. And and I want to touch on the fact that you said you, you built up a funnel, right? And, you know, I, I think this is that, again, this is one of the things that a lot of investors trip up on. Um, you know, many people are, are, are going out and they're, they're prospecting and, you know, maybe they'll, they'll prospect a list for, you know, a week or two weeks or a month and they'll say it's not working or, um, it's a bad list or, um, those were bad leads or, you know, whatever the case may be. But you, you talk about the concept and I want people to just, I don't want people to change what they're doing. I feel like if you change your mindset, what you're doing is going to follow. But if you change your mindset to I'm building a business, right. And that business is, is the funnel, right. Um, that's my prime focus. And I know that as long as I track my numbers in this funnel, no matter what, I can control my destiny. Even if my numbers are terrible, even if I'm closing one out of every 500 leads, like I, as long as I know my metrics, I can improve on that. But if I don't, if I don't have a funnel, if I don't, if I don't have a, a, a real way of bringing in leads and tracking what's going on with those leads, then, I mean, I'm just playing the guessing game. And I feel like a lot of us are just playing this guessing game. How did you, and I don't know if it was, you were running away from pain or there was this massive goal. You know, coming away from that corporate environment, you know, I, w- I wanted to get out of there. I remember, you know, I would have that sales job and, you know, I didn't even have any windows in my office. So I was literally like in a cubicle office and I didn't have windows. They would just lock me in there because I was one of the only sales guys at this company and it was a design firm. There was designers, you know, with cubicles all over the office space, but I was the one that was on the phone all day. So they, they put me in the office so that I, you know, I wasn't talking over everybody else that was on, you know, in, in the office. And I remember like four times a day, I would go outside and just take laps and I would call my dad and be like, dad, like, you know, I'm just, I'm just, I just, I can't do this anymore. This isn't my destiny. You know, this isn't what I'm supposed to do. And that was, that was, you know, luckily I had this epiphany early on that if I knew I was going to start my own business and do my own thing, I knew early on that, you know, it would probably be better to do that and take that risk, you know, sooner rather than later versus after I have two kids, a mortgage, a car payment, et cetera. So I, I paid off my cars through that corporate environment. I paid off our cars. It was just my wife and I. We had a, a, a condo downtown that we were living in, and we just reduced our expenses to the bare minimum that we could. And then I took the chance, and I, I started my own company. And early on, I mean, when I was wholesaling, it would be like, hey, we'd have a great month. We'd close on a, on a deal, you know, make 20 grand, and then the next couple of months would be flat. And then, all right, we closed on another deal and then it would be flat. So I knew I wanted something to offset those inconsistencies in my wholesaling and flipping business. And the Lonnie deals, you know, created that monthly cash flow that I could depend on. And then when I did have a big deal, you know, I could, I could stash away some of that cash and invest it in mobile home park deals or, you know, whatever the next phase was, rentals. I knew I wanted rentals, but the single family home, you know, process wasn't very scalable. It was going to take a lot longer for me to, to grow through that model. So that's what gravitated me towards commercial real estate and then ultimately mobile home parks. Did you find a lot of, did you find that a lot of your issues earlier on, a lot of the problems that would arise, did you find that they were external issues or more so mindset and internal issues? I would say, uh, that's a really good question, you know, cause early on I didn't know what I didn't know. You know, I, I went to, uh, you know, early on, even when I had my corporate job, I went to Tony Robbins event, uh, unleash the power within. And, you know, I absolutely loved it. I mean, I just pulled so much out of that. You know, it was like a, it was like a mind shift change. Like you're talking about it was, it was, Hey, what's, you know, what's holding you back? You know, like I, I, I spoke to someone at that event and I said, yeah, I'd love to, you know, buy, you know, commercial real estate and I'd love to get into, you know, apartment complexes and things like that. Right now I'm just wholesaling single family homes. And, and he's like, well, what's holding you back for that? Well, what, what do you do to find single family homes? Was it, well, I market, you know, do yellow letters. He's like, well, why don't you do that for multifamily? I don't know. I, I guess no one, no one told me that I should. I mm. didn't, I wasn't looking that way, you know? Mm. And then now that that became my focus and that became my main driver, it was like, well, duh, that's what you need to be doing. If, if, you know, why mess around with the single family stuff when commercial is your end goal anyways, we'll just go for commercial. You can still wholesale commercial, you know. I've I've made over two hundred grand wholesaling mobile home parks. I mean that that's aside from you know the twenty one mobile home parks that pay me every single month and, and create cash flow and 
and offset, you know, all of my expenses. So it's just a mind shift change. I think it would be more internal and not external because there's so much information out there that you can absorb through podcasts, YouTube, whatnot, to, to learn anything you really want, want to go after. 100%. I, I, I totally agree. I, I, I look back on all the, um, all the, um, all the, I guess all the challenges and, you know, continued challenges um, we face as entrepreneurs. And, um, I, you know, I always like to think, and no matter, you know, what's going on with the situation is I just always like to think that the onus has to be on me. You know, the onus has to be on me, has to be on my mindset. Like, no matter if I feel like it's completely external, it's out of my hands, there was no way I could have prevented that. I have to put the onus on me. Um, and, um, uh, you know, it's, it, it, it just helps you. It's helped you through the process of, uh, problem solving of finding a solution. Um, it helps me just like, okay, well, even though it wasn't my fault or it was, you know, this person's fault or my assistant's fault or whatever's fault, what did I do to, to, to put them in that position? What didn't I provide to, to make sure that, that, you know, like what, like what, where did I go wrong here? Because obviously I'm the business owner, you know, and if I put the onus on them, well, then I don't have any power to change what's going on. Yeah. You know, so I absolutely love that. Now, what are some, you know, your, your, your industry, your, your niche, right? Mobile home parks. What are some bad recommendations that you hear? Um, and, you know, people always ask you, what are some good things? But I want to know some of the bad recommendations that you hear that you kind of just want to debunk for us here on the show. Well, I mean, I think a lot of people initially just have this fear of, you know, they think of mobile home parks, they instantly think of like eight mile and <laughs> park boys and that stigma, you know, every, every episode of cops somehow ends up in a trailer park. And it's like that stigma uh, scares people away. You know, I'll never forget the very first investor that I went to on my very first deal. Uh, I got this deal under contract, 67 lot mobile home park outside of St. Louis, Missouri. And I, I didn't know where I was going to get the money for it. I knew that I had some options, uh, but I, I went with what I thought at the time was the best solution. I went with the, the wealthiest guy my family knows. And I invited him out to lunch and I had a business plan set up and I, I shared it with him. And halfway through, he goes, Andrew, hey, bud, I love you, but there's no way in hell I'm investing in a trailer park with you. And it, it, he didn't even look at the, the, the business plan that I prepared, nothing. It was the stigma of a trailer park that turned him off. It, 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 that deal ended, out, ended up creating like a 74% return, cash on cash return, and all investor capital was paid back in two years, but it was the initial stigma that scared him away, and I think it scares a lot of people away. So I would say, you know, live where you want, but invest where it makes sense. Mm. Robert Helms said that, and that just clicked for me because that is so huge. You know, this is something that is going to provide an income. This is not something that you're going to have to look at every single day. I want to talk about... Well, maybe a first-time listener, maybe somebody who's who's on the fence right now and they're trying to figure out, distinguish between how to get started. Maybe they want to make a little bit of money and they're like, okay, mobile homes versus mobile home parks. Let's just set the stage right there. Mobile homes versus mobile home parks. Um, from from your point of view, right? First-time listener, I know you started one way, but you can start obviously any way you want. But if you were to give some advice to maybe a college student, somebody fresh out of college who has a corporate job and they're just like, dude, like it wouldn't make sense for me to start making some money on the side and eventually use the side business to leave my job. What do I do? Should I look at mobile homes first? Should I jump straight into mobile home parks? You know, ver- you know, kind of what's your analysis with, with single family versus commercial? What is your, what, what's your, what's your opinion? Yeah. So my opinion would be go, go, go with the end goal in mind. You know, like when I started out, I was thinking small and that's one thing that has, has changed since, you know, I started is, you know, I was thinking of, hey, what's the, what's the lowest, uh, lowest cost ability for me to become a landlord? And that was, okay, I can go buy these individual mobile homes and build a portfolio of 20 of these things and create cash flow of 250 bucks a month off 20 of them. And that's going to offset my monthly expenses. That was thinking too small. And it took, it took a long time to build up 20 of those types of deals. Where if I would have gone after and done one mobile home park deal, just finding one mobile home park that's an off-market deal and bringing that to another operator that already has systems set up to run the show and me just piggybacking and, and keeping a little bit of equity you know, as a finder's fee for, for bringing that deal, that right there 
could, mm. pr- could have provided the cash flow that it took me you know, over two years to build up by finding 20 different individual mobile homes and buying them and then fixing them up and then selling them on contract. You know, just go out and, and network and do some marketing to find one off-market mobile home park or apartment complex and then bring that to an operator that already knows what they're doing and you know you could get some equity in that that deal so i would i would advise something like that what do you think yeah that is awesome i i, I totally agree i am curious though what are from a 30,000 foot view what are some of the differences between i guess um how you would prospect for mobile homes i'm, I'm assuming most people who live in mobile homes are renters or are they owners so that's the deal is, you know, there's different types of mobile home parks in the parks that we own. We want all of our tenants to own their homes and then they're just renting the dirt from us underneath of them. Okay. So okay. maintenance and repairs and maintenance are very low because we don't have to fix, you know, broken AC units, refrigerators, appliances, et cetera. So that I would say most mobile home parks are tenant owned home setups, but there are some park owned homes that are like a flat apartment complex and they rent out the units. But the, the tenant-owned home model is what we follow and what I think majority of parks are set up as. Okay, so let's go, let's go with that model because it's the majority. Now, with that model, what's the difference between prospecting to mobile home owners and mobile home park owners? Is it the same thing? Are you, are you, is it the same, are you going to the same sources? Kind of, kind of talk to me about it's the not, difference. It's not really the same. So to find a mobile home owner, you know, they're going to post their home for sale on Facebook Marketplace or Craigslist more than likely. So you can just canvas those two places uh, to find mobile home mobile homes that are for sale. And usually, when someone's selling their mobile home, they're motivated because they are either they've already moved or they're very close to moving, and they don't want to pay lot rent on you know that home when they have rent somewhere else that they're paying as well. Because that extra three hundred dollars a month that they're paying in lot rent is a lot of money when they're also paying, you know, $800 a month over here for an apartment or a house or whatnot. So when they have that up for sale, they're very motivated. They want to get rid of that home. So you can offer them cash, low ball offers, and they will, you know, accept them because they don't want to have that monthly lot rent that they don't need to pay. So that's how you go after finding mobile homes. Now, mobile home park owners, they're investors, right? They're, uh, you know, usually mom and pops that have owned these assets uh, but they're, you know, usually well off financially. So the best way to find them would be to go to the tax assessor website and find out what for that parcel for the mobile home park parcel, find out where they get their tax bill, what address, and then mail that address a letter or show up at that address and knock on the door. If you're, if you're like me and you're, you're a little more aggressive, uh, you know, or, or just mail them a letter and say, Hey, I'm interested in buying this property. Could you give me a call if you're interested in selling? And that right there, you know, I would, I would call if someone mailed me a letter like that. And then, you know, you talk about it, you see what, you know, what, what you think the property's worth. Uh, but if you find a, a seller that's just, Hey, I'm interested in selling. And then you bring in an operator like myself and say, Hey, I think the seller is interested in selling. I mailed them a letter and they said they're interested. Okay. Well now we have a deal. I can help you analyze it. I can help you figure out the value. And then, you know, you can partner on me and we can buy this thing together because you know, I have more investors that want to invest in this space than I have deals to execute on. So, you know, there's, there's win-wins that can be found, uh, you know, from someone just starting out. Is there, is there a value-add business model in mobile home parks? If so, how does that, what does that look like? Yeah, definitely. So, you know, the ideal mobile home park for me would be a mobile home park that's like 75% occupied, has some vacant lots that we need to move in mobile homes on so that we can start you know, selling those and then getting lot rent on them. Uh, a lot of the mobile home parks are not sub-metered, meaning that the park owners are paying for the water and sewer consumption. And that can be you know, several thousands of dollars on that property's uh, you know, expense sheet that they're paying. So if you come in and put sub-meters on all of the units and start billing back for that expense, you know, that'll take that expense off of your P&L ultimately increasing the net operating income and the value of the asset. Uh, you could do you know, modest rent increases because a lot of the parks have very low rents in comparison to the market uh, because the mom and pop owners don't have any debt on these assets. So they, you know, they haven't raised rent in forever because they don't really have to. 
Uh, so there's there's a lot of value add, and that's, yeah, that's it. Sounds like it's it's a it's the the typical normal value add, with the exception of um, b- being able to improve uh, the physical condition of you know how you would do a a property, right? Because you're you're you typically just own the land, right? So and um, we still you know you can do like new signage and fencing and, and you know landscaping and things like that to improve the quality of tenants that you're able to attract. So you know there's definitely some similarities. The same listener, they've chosen to go down the mobile home park investing route. And they're like, all right, I'm ready to get started. I'm going to start reaching out to some of these owners who, again, they're not motivated, maybe not in the sense that, you know, we would typically think of motivation, um, but they're, they're well-off individuals, but they may want to sell, right? If we, if we have the right price, so we reach out to them and you, you mentioned that one of the first strategies that you use to, to, to get in is maybe get that property under contract and then go, go and find another operator who has experience. Is that, is that kind of a, one of the best ways you say would be to get in? Yeah, that would be a, an amazing way to get in. You know, even, even finding a deal and, you know, if you don't have a good knowledge of, of what the property is worth, things like that, you know, contacting a, an operator that can help you value this, this asset would be monumental and, you know, just get connected, you know, as with anything, if you want to invest in mobile home parks or apartments, you know, get on Facebook, join groups, listen to some podcasts about the asset class you know, get educated so you can learn how to value these things. And then, yeah, go ahead, try to get it under contract and bring that to an operator and say, hey, is this something you'd be interested in partnering on? And nine times out of 10, if the deal is a good deal and you got it under contract at a good price, you know, they're going to work with you and they're going to they're gonna want to do the deal and, and make it, you know, make it make sense for both of you, whether you get a finder's fee or equity. But Andrew, what about all of the other investors out there that are reaching out to these people? And I'm just now starting. I don't, there's no, there's no way I can possibly get a deal done. There's no way they're going to listen to me. There's no way that, that I, I can do this. There's so many other people that are reaching out to them. What sets me apart? Like, I, I just don't think I can do this. What do you say to that person? I would say, hey, you know, every, right when you're getting started, there's that valley of sorrow that everybody has to go through while you're building up your funnel, just like I did. I went home and I wrote on my fridge that I was going to buy my first mobile home park in 2016. And then sure enough, 2015 passed, 2016 passed, and I didn't buy my first park until June of 2017. You know, I was calling, I was doing the same thing, but it took me a while to build up that funnel before I was building a business. You know, I wasn't just finding a one-off deal. So I was learning, I was, I was getting educated on the space. And, you know, you, you're not just going to hit right away, or at least I didn't. You know, you could get lucky, but I would say you got to, you got to take your time and, and play the numbers game and, and build up that funnel because once it does start to hit, you know, you'll have a, you'll have a wave of deals that can come through and, and, and really hit because not every seller is going to be interested in selling right then and there. It may take time, may, something may happen in their life. You know, their husband has a heart attack and now they need to sell, you know, it's just being there when that opportunity arises. I love that. I love that so much. Being there when that opportunity arises, right? You you miss 100% of the shots that you don't take. And, you know, I want to um, I wanna talk about you training for Ironman coming up here shortly because it's going to tie into my next question. Um, because I'm curious, you, you didn't get your first deal done until June of 2017, but you started in 2015. So, how, so I mean, how many months passed by before you got your first deal done? It was like 18 months. 18 months. Andrew, what in the world did you tell yourself to keep going? I mean, you know, I, I, uh, I guess it was just like I, I knew that the opportunity was there because there was other people doing it. And I knew if they were doing it, I could do it. <clears throat> but it just took time to build up to get to that level. You know, but, but, just, but, but after, after month five, it, it wasn't working out. Like what made you like, why not, why not just pivot month six like you know like what was what was the self-talk like was it like I mean just kind of describe it what what was that self-talk like it was it was hard I'll be honest with you like it wasn't easy it was like down and dirty like you know I I was sold on the business model I knew that the tenant-owned home model and the need for affordable housing was was huge so that really was you know the differentiator for me it was like hey I'm I'm going all in I committed before the 18 months. Like I was already committed. There was no turning back. Mm. It was like, I'm, I'm, I'm going to do this whether, you know, anybody likes it or not. Like I'm all in. There was no, like it was, we burned the boats, the bones, the boats were burned like month six, month eight. 
they were just flew by because I wasn't even focusing on stopping. I didn't even look back. I, I think that's the decision, you know, that I hope to, I hope to teach that to my kids ultimately. You know, I want to, I want to teach them that, that sort of commitment where it's like, Hey, I'm all in, you know, this is what I want to do. This is what I'm passionate about. It doesn't feel like work when I'm doing this. And that's, that's what I did. I went all in, all in, all in. So, so for those of us who don't know, what is the Ironman competition? The Ironman competition is a, it's, it's, it's a triathlon where you swim, bike and run. And the swim is about, I think it's 2.4 miles. The bike is 112 miles and the run is a marathon. So 26.2 and you do it all in a day. And it's, I mean, it's one of the, if you Google like toughest endurance, you know, events, Ironman is top five, you know, it's up there. So uh, have you done it before? I have not done an Ironman. I am training for my first one. I've done a half, a half Ironman uh, last year in December. And, you know, it's just, it, it's, I think training for that has really uh, changed my mindset and changed like, you know, I, I feel like I'm capable of anything. You know, mm-hmm. I'll never forget the time that I, the first time I ran 10 miles, I came home and I felt like I was an 80 year old man. I literally felt like all of my joints were hurting my feet were swollen. I had blisters all over my feet. And I just remember thinking, oh my goodness, like I'm so far away from running an Ironman. Like I just ran 10 miles. I didn't swim before. I didn't bike before. I just ran 10 miles. And then like the, the change started happening. And it was like, okay, this weekend I'll run 10. Next weekend I'll run 12. Weekend after I'll run 14. And now, Consistency. you know, all in. I can, yeah, all in. I can go run 20 miles and then, you know, I'll go to work afterwards. You know, because I've built up that ability and my knees are okay. But Muscle at the time, memory. I really thought there was, I, I thought there was something wrong with my knees when I ran that 10 miles. I was like, my knees are so sore. Like, this just doesn't make sense. But no, my knees just had never run 10 miles before. So they and weren't. Other people were doing it. Like you said, with, with, with real estate, you, just, you saw that there were yeah. results. Other people were doing it. If they can do it, why can't I? Exactly. Exactly. And after month, week after week, you got back on that horse. You got right back out there. Yep. What if horse riding was an Ironman? <laughs> but but you got back out there, man. And, and, and again, it, it, it's it, it's extreme, an extremely clo- close parallel. I don't know if the listeners are seeing that. It's an extremely close parallel between what you're doing in business and, and again, what you're doing recreationally with the Ironman competition. And it, it's something that I see in many entrepreneurs. We we want to, and it's not it's not like we we're, we're trying to trying to you know, break, break some type of, um, we're trying to hurt ourselves, but you want to test your limits. You want to see your potential. I think that's what it is. Not test your limits. You want to realize your potential. Like I never want, I never want it to be, you know, one of those people in high school or in college that, Oh, Duray, you got so much potential. Like I I see you're going to, you're going to be, you never, like you never want to under, undershoot for your potential. Right. So if I'm going to go for it, I want to hit it out the park. Yes. You know, so, so again, it's one of those things that it's a trait that I see in many entrepreneurs and you training for this Ironman, man, good luck. Thank you, man. <laughs> Absolutely I, I, good I'm going to need it. <laughs> one last final question before we get to the final round. When you feel overwhelmed or maybe unfocused or maybe you just lost focus temporarily, what do you do to get yourself back in alignment? And if it, if it helps, again, I always ask this type of question, what, but what questions do you ask yourself? And I've asked you that throughout this, this episode, because I feel as though the questions our, our life is a quality of the questions that we ask ourselves. So that's why I'm always asking you that. Cause you're probably like, why is he always asking me what questions am I asking myself? <laughs> but, but again, when you're feeling overwhelmed or unfocused, what, 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 what do you do to get yourself back in alignment? Yeah, I, I meditate and I meditate uh, a little bit differently than others. You know, I take a walk by myself outside and I ask myself, you know, what's, what's going on? You know, how do I get back? Usually it's, it's a balance issue with me. You know, it's either like, Hey, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm too, spending too much time at work. I need to spend more time with my family or, you know, I need to figure out some, some sort of balance. And when I try to, you know, think about that and focus on that word, you know, balance, you know, it just, the ideas will come to me and it'll say, okay, well, maybe you need to hire an assistant. Maybe you need to hire someone to do this step here because, you know, there's always, uh, you know, the ability to do more with less time. You just have to be able to use more leverage and, and, you know, make the right moves. So, uh, that's, that's something that happened to me recently, actually. So 
100%. Yeah, that's always been my biggest, uh, my biggest piece of advice. I don't know what it is. Um, I, you know, most people, I think showers would be number one. But for me, yeah. if I go out on a walk, and I, I try to go out on a walk every single day, um, if I go out on a walk, like my, 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 all of my problems, and some of my brightest ideas always happen on these walks. It's just absolutely, I don't know what it is about it. I don't know, like, I can't put my finger on it, but it works. It works. <laughs> it totally does. And Steve Jobs was a huge fan of taking walks and he was known for walking around his, uh, his fancy neighborhoods in, in California. And he'd be walking around with like high up executives, just, just talking and he'd ask people, Hey, let's go for a walk and talk this out. And, you know, great ideas happen over a good walk. So I'd love to take one sometime Amazing. if you're ever in the Orlando area. This episode is brought to you by Fundrise. It's never been easier to become a real estate investor. With as little as $500, watch your money passively work for you by investing in real estate through a crowdfunding platform like Fundrise. In just a few minutes, you can invest in hundreds of highly vetted multi-million dollar properties such as hotels, apartment buildings, and offices all around the U.S. Based on your financial goals, Fundrise will detail a few REITs, real estate investment trusts, for you to choose from with the click of a button, you can own fractional shares of really amazing deals that before the Jobs Act of 2012 were impossible for the everyday non-accredited investor to even hear about, much less invest in. Now, what I like about Fundrise is they're ridiculously low advisory fees. So dig this, at 1.5%, my actual returns on Fundrise are outperforming my stated returns and other assets, even though they advertise higher returns. So Fundrise has no hidden costs, no management fees, no unfavorable terms. And for the BTM tribe, head over to beforethemillions.com forward slash Fundrise. That's F-U-N-D-R-I-S-E for your first three months of advisory fees totally waived. Yes, the actual only fee that Fundrise charges is being waived for three months. Simply head over to beforethemillions.com forward slash Fundrise and welcome yourself to a real alternative to investing in the stock market. That link, one last time, is beforethemillions.com forward slash fundrise. Lifestyle design acceleration hacks. What is your favorite Before the Millions book? Favorite book? I would go with Rich Dad, Poor Dad. All right, deep. Going with the classic. That's a good one. I would throw in Lonnie Scruggs, uh, Deals on Wheels, for those interested in the mobile home investing. Oh, yeah. That's awesome. Mobile home investing or mobile home parks? That one's mobile home investing. Deals on Wheels is. But that's a classic. Perfect, perfect, perfect. I love it. What is your favorite lifestyle design app? This can be a business app or tool. I use Slack uh, to communicate with my team. Uh, Another really good one is Trello for project management. I use both of those. I love those. Absolutely. What do you enjoy most about the way your lifestyle is currently designed? I have the freedom, you know, before this whole coronavirus hit my, my family and I, we have my, my wife and my two young ones. We were going to go over to Italy uh, and spend a month over there this summer, uh, which didn't happen. But Um, next summer we, uh, we were able to transfer into a, uh, a house that we rented in Croatia that's yes. right on the water and yes. we're going to live there for a month. And yes. you know, it's a beautiful three-story house has a pool in the back and you know, I'm going to live there for a month in Croatia. And if I had a corporate job, there's no way in hell that I'd be able to move to Croatia for a month in the middle of summer. Absolutely not. And that is uh, what this uh, show is all about. Lifestyle design through real estate. So we can do things like that. Um, fortunately and, and unfortunately for me, I was uh, away for a month in Mexico when COVID hit and I was scrambling to get back. I have a whole episode on that, but it's absolutely amazing what we're able to do when we have the, the flexibility that we have. What were the sacrifices that you knew you had to make before the millions to get to where you are today? Yeah, delayed gratification. You know, I have a friend that was in real estate that actually helped me get into wholesaling houses and stuff. And, you know, he, he spent everything that he made. So when it would come down to doing investments, you know, he didn't have cash to put into the deals. So I was able to have cash to put into deals so I can get larger equity shares and ultimately create more passive income monthly faster. So that would be a big one for me is when you're first starting out, just, you know, Try to try to delay gratification and invest because 
you know, it's all about 10 years from now, 20 years from now. It's not about today. You got to sacrifice today for the future benefit. I love it. Absolutely. Who was essential to your growth before the millions and why? Before the millions, I would say there was, there was one person, uh, his name is Ryan Smith and he helped me get into the mobile home park business. Uh, I met him at a, uh, I was actually a self-directed IRA event and he introduced me. His, his wife wrote a book called trailer cash and I read that book and then he invited me to a three day boot camp that he taught. Uh, he's with elevation capital and they have a big fund that buys mobile home parks and self storage. What's and, his wife's uh, name? Jamie Smith. Okay, go ahead. So it's Ryan and Jamie Smith and they're, they're actually in the Orlando area and just, just rock stars in the space and in real estate investing. And, uh, he, he helped me get into the business and, uh, was a, was an influential person for me. I love that. Absolutely amazing. Last but not least, why do you think so many of us are stuck before the millions, even though we have every intention of getting to the millions? Spend too much money. <laughs> we're marketed to, we're marketed to more than any other country. You know, we always got to have that new car. You know, we're always, we're always looking at people on social media, trying to keep up with the Joneses. And if we would just step back and realize that, Hey, every dollar you spend today, you're sacrificing something else that, you know, could happen in the future. And if we would just take a step back and like say, Hey, do we need this new car or could we use our current car for a couple more years? And with that same amount of money, we were going to buy that new car. Maybe we can invest that over here into a rental property that's going to pay us, you know, 500 bucks a month forever. And then we can buy the car. You know, it, it, would, it would be just doing that. And it's easier said than done. Yeah. 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 I absolutely love that. I think that was uh, one of the, um, Robert's most, uh, most pivotal and uh, controversial, but one of his most famous um, kind of his outlooks on life. Like you, you buy assets to, to buy your expenses, your liabilities. You don't get your money, buy all your, you know, buy all the things, pay all your bills. And then whatever you have left over, that's what you use to save and invest. No, you, you, you take your money, you save and invest. And then when you start making uh, passive income, monthly recurring revenue, then you can use that to go and buy the toys and all that good stuff. So I absolutely love that. Wow. Uh, this has been an absolutely amazing, fantastic uh, uh, podcast interview, Andrew. If the listeners want to learn a little bit more about you, uh, find out a little bit more about what you have going on in the mobile home park space, where can they find some of your information? Yeah, they can check out my podcast. It's the Passive Mobile Home Park Investing Podcast. Uh, you can find it wherever you get your podcasts at. Uh, or you could check out my website, keelteam.com. That's just K-E-E-L-T-E-A-M.com. And, you know, you can find everything on, on my website. Boom. There you have it, ladies and gents. The links to every single topic and idea and recommendation on the show will be in the show notes of today's episode. Andrew, I want to thank you again for coming on the show. I've uh, learned so much. You've been an inspiration to me. Good luck with your Ironman competition and we'll talk to you real soon. Thank you so much, man. I appreciate you having me.